Well, I'm thrilled we've got a, a visiting speaker with us tonight, all the way from Coleraine in Northern Ireland. Just to say that if you hear a sound coming from, it's, it's a young man who's got a condition that just causes him sometimes to shout out, so don't be alarmed about that. Uh, we're very relaxed here. So Mark Marks is here from Coleraine, and uh, if you're not aware of who Mark is, he's been here a number of times in, in different contexts, National Leaders Conference and different things, and we've known each other for a number of years. Probably about 11 years ago, he started a thing called Healing on the Streets, where churches take teams out into their city. We've done it here many, many times. And in Coleraine there, they've gone out, I guess, every week and more for the last 11 years. And in the course of that time, they've seen literally thousands of people receive healing. They've also seen many thousands of people open their hearts to Jesus. It's an absolute phenomenon what is going on there. And really, the primary catalyst has been Mark and what the Lord has used him to uh, catalyze among others. So before he comes up, just to say that there is a table at the back. If you wanted to read the story about healing on the streets, this is full of wonderful stories, uh, fascinating book, then you can buy it there. Also, we've got a little DVD on the miracle question, which is what he's been teaching on over the course of this weekend here, and just a way of engaging conversation and offering to pray for people. So again, if you'd like to buy one of those, they're available there as well. So I won't take any more time. I'm looking forward to hearing Mark. Would you please welcome Mark Marks? Hello, hello. Uh, greetings from sunny Coleraine in Northern Ireland. Uh, I am uh, part of the staff of the Causeway Coast Vineyard. We've had an amazing weekend. We've seen 14 people come to faith on the streets, people healed, people being touched by the love of God in Nottingham. How amazing is that? I mean, I, I'm so excited about what God is, is, is doing here and is going to continue to do and, and uh, release. And uh, you're going to play a huge part in just blessing this nation. And I, um, tonight, I really want to teach a little bit on healing and then we're going to do it. But actually, you don't have to wait till the end. If you are in need of healing here tonight. Anyone here in need of healing? Put your hand up, please. You're in need of healing? Okay. Uh, anyone here? Hands up if you know of someone who needs healing. Okay, so that's, that's most of us. So, so what I'm believing for is that not only uh, that God will touch you during our time here, but that if you think also about those people who can't be here and need healing, that you'll, you'll just be sitting in proxy for them and believing that God, as we go through this night, is going to touch them. You don't have to wait until the end of this meeting before you receive. God's presence is here. The power of God is here. And I often find that people uh, are, can be healed just as they hear the word being spoken. And so be in expectation. Just check yourself every so often to see if you've been healed. You may just find yourself completely surprised that God has healed you, okay? And by the way, if you are, just shout out and just, just shout out if you have been healed. Just let us know. That'd be a great encouragement. So um, I, have, I have the privilege of pioneering a ministry called Healing on the Streets. And uh, we launched this in Easter of 2005. We've been outside Coleraine Town Hall uh, we've knelt outside uh, the town on the, the Diamond Square through all kinds of weather. 
And uh, in the rain, in the snow, in the ice, we've paid the price. And it's like uh, we kneel to minister to those who would come and sit on the chairs. And, and it's, it's like we're washing the feet of our community. And uh, it's been an incredible privilege. But as I teach these models, I don't actually believe in models. I believe that what Jesus was demonstrating to his disciples was uh, what one man could do who was in close communion with the Father. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, watch what I do. This is what you can do. Not only can you do this, you'll do greater things when I go to be with the Father. He has laid aside his majesty. He is not uh, working through his divinity. He is God. Jesus is God and, and uh, fully God and fully man. But he's laid aside his majesty. And he's showing us what one man could do who was in close communion to the fa- with the Father. So he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. And he came out of the presence of the Father, full of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit of God, uh, led by the Spirit of God, clothed with compassion. And wherever he went, he, demonstrate, he demonstrated total liberation out of that close relationship. And the way that he ministered, whatever he did, it was fluid, it was creative, it happened at any time, any place, and in the way of his choosing. So, uh, but there are times and seasons where God will give a model for a people, for a, pur- uh, for a purpose, and for a period of time. Healing on the streets is one of those, those models. But, you know, as um, I began to learn how to pray, and God wants us, wants his church to take hold of what he's made available for each one of us and begin to exercise the authority that he's delegated to each one of you. So the qualification for being able to pray for the sick tonight, and I certainly am not going to be the one who's doing it. It would be too easy for me just to pray for everyone. And if I could have it my way, I wouldn't let anyone else pray. I would just pray for every single person here because I just love to pray for people. But, you know, Jesus was showing the limitations of a one-man ministry because when he... Be- when he looked at the crowds, he was filled with compassion. In fact, let's read uh, the passage of Scripture where that comes from in Matthew, and then I'll, I'll continue to speak from there. So um, let's read from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And he sent them out to heal the sick and to tell people that the kingdom of God is near. So Jesus sees this vast crowd. And whenever you read about Jesus at the beginning, you would see that he, um, he healed the sick very publicly. I mean, in, in full view of everyone. And because of what the people saw him do, they gave praise to the God of Israel. This is what the Bible says. They gave praise to the God of Israel. They put their faith in him. They followed him. And, but the crowds grew so vast that, that now they were preventing him from going to the places he needed to go to. He had a limited amount of time. He could only do so much. 
He said, look, I must go to other towns to preach the good news of the kingdom. That's why I've been sent. But the crowds grew so vast, they were, they were um, you know, either stopping him, preventing him from going to another town, or they were just holding him there. The moment that someone heard that he was there, and that he was healing the sick, the crowds came in their thousands. And he just looked at this vast crowd, and they, he said, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Compassion fills his heart. Whenever Jesus ministers, he's full of compassion for people. He loves, just loves people, and he loves to minister uh, his kindness to them and his, his power and, his, uh, and all the things that God has made available. Jesus just loves to do that. But he realizes there's a limitation, but he has a plan. And he says that the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send labors out into the harvest field. And his solution is you and I. He called the 12 disciples to him. They've been following him. They've been watching him. He gave them, he delegated his authority to them. So go heal the sick and tell people that the kingdom is close at hand. But he didn't stop at the 12. He then sent the 72 in Luke 10. You'll see he sent them out. And they went out. And it wasn't the model that they came back rejoicing when they discovered that it works. And, and, you know, they, Jesus said, I could just imagine these disciples when Jesus said, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. Now, they, you know, these disciples were just like us, just like you and me. I can imagine one disciple turning to the other. Did I hear the Lord just say that? Did he just say, he's sending us out like, sending us out like lambs amongst wolves? Wolves eat lambs for breakfast. <laughs> Did the Lord have to say that? <laughs> and I'm sure they went out with fear and trembling, but they were obedient. They went out. They summoned up their courage, and they stepped out, and they began to exercise the authority they gave them. And when they came back, they were rejoicing, not about any technique or model, but the fact that they had been given authority. And as they're sharing their God stories excitedly, um, they said, and Lord, and even the demons, we can hardly believe this, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus, of course, is full of joy because the moment that, you know, we discover what it is that God has made available to us, it brings joy to the heart of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And full of joy, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning to the earth, and I've given you, plural, you, each one of you here, who, followed you, who follow him and who believe in him. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the evil one. Nothing at all shall harm you. But don't rejoice that the demons submit to you in my name, but your names are written in heaven. And Jesus didn't stop at the 12 or the 72. He then gave the great commission. In Matthew 28, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And what did Jesus command his disciples to do? Heal the sick, raise the dead, drive out demons, cleanse those of skin conditions. He said, freely receive, freely give. So the church has been given the task to release um, the kindness of God wherever we go. Jesus it was said this of Jesus, of Jesus that um, he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Now, wouldn't that be a great reputation to have as a church? I settled for that. Oh, that church there, yeah, they, they do so much good in our community. And, you know, they heal the sick. 
Just, just recently, we had this amazing, I, I mean, for the last 11 years in Coleraine, we've been on the streets. And from day one, in fact, four weeks after we began Healing on the Streets, we were on the front cover of the Chronicle, which is a local paper, and with, with the title Miracles on Our Streets. And there was a, um, a photograph of myself holding a walking stick. I, I can't tell you how hard I fought not to be on the front cover of that paper because this ministry is not about superstars or celebrity figures. You know, we want to see Jesus made famous in our nation. And, and God's not looking for superstars or celebrity figures. He's just looking for his church to rise up and take hold of what he's made available. But anyway, they, they said, we need someone to be there. So there I was holding the walking stick of a gentleman called Daniel who um, had come. This, is, this happened about four weeks after we began in Easter 2005. And Daniel walked, he was 78 years of age, walked across the Diamond Square, sat in our chair. He had a walking stick. He couldn't walk properly without it. God healed him. His eyes filled with tears as he, as he realized that he was being healed. He could feel the, 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 the touch, the tangible touch of God in his hip. And as he got up, he was just incredibly amazed that Jesus had healed him. And he stood there for 20 minutes telling everyone within earshot that, that Jesus had healed him. And before he left, he gave me his, his walking stick as a souvenir. And he said, Mark, take that as, as, a, you know, as a souvenir. And it was a token of God's love. We collect walking sticks. It's a nice walking stick you have there. Can we have your walking stick? Well, I need it. Well, just in, well, just in a moment, you may not need it. And if you don't need it, could we have it? You know, so we, we collect walking sticks. And uh, the following, when that, when that article came out, it was a story, the, the front page is full of stories of people encountering God, uh, life change, amazing stories of God touching lives. And the following Saturday, when we went to set up, there was a crowd of members of the public waiting for us, looking at their watches, saying, where are these Christians? <laughs> and then when we began to open up the hardwood garden chairs, they began to fight over the chairs. They said, please don't do it. We have time to pray for everybody. It's a lovely, lovely problem to have. And just recently, um, so now 11 years on, and uh, right up to that, we've seen, you know, we, we see so many amazing uh, incredible miracles of healing people are either healed instantly i'm going to teach you just briefly how healing comes you can hear it can come instantly many christians believe that's the way god heals but it's not always the case yes he does heal instantly but healing can come gradually in fact that's the most common way that healing comes the bible says a believer shall lay their hands on the sick and the sick shall recover that word recover signifies a period of time and that, that length of time is up to God. Our part to play is to pray our best prayer. And we leave the results to God. And the third way that healing comes is that uh, there could be no sign of healing after you finish praying. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't love that person or that he's not going to heal them. They can be healed as they go. It could happen instantly, gradually, or the next day. One story that we love to share was a lady who had come with her husband on holiday from uh, a town called Cavan, which is 110 miles away from Coleraine. And they came for a two-week holiday uh, along the coast. And on their last day of the holiday, they came into town on the Saturday to do their shopping. They saw our banner that says healing. 
and they thought we've got nothing to lose so they uh, the, the husband brought his wife who's paralyzed in a wheelchair and parked the wheelchair between two chairs the team came and knelt around her feet and they prayed that they, they began to tell her about God's love uh, they, they began to invite after that they invited the Holy Spirit the increase of God's presence and then they took authority over paralysis exercising the authority that Jesus had given to them they spoke to the paralysis and, and commanded the paralysis to go and then they, they asked the lady could you please try and move your, your legs and she tried her best and nothing was happening so after a few minutes they stopped praying and they said uh, this doesn't mean God doesn't love you and they began to reaffirm God's love towards her and then they began to tell her how healing can come it can happen as you go it can happen instantly gradually or the next day but if nothing happens please let us know one way or the other please let us know and we'll pray again we can pray as many times as you'll, you will allow us to she thanked us the husband thanked us and they went on their way they began to drive home 110 miles to cavern they were about halfway it's pouring of rain which isn't unusual in Ireland when uh, the wife said to her husband stop the car something's happening so he pulls over to the side of the road as she gets out of the car she begins to run around the car and up and down the street in the pouring rain she's completely healed well their best friends traveled 110 miles to us to tell us this news and then to ask us if we could pray for them because they were unable to have children and we have such a high track record of childless couples conceiving and this is a word for, for a couple here tonight even um, that, that um, they, were, they were unable to conceive and they'd come they told us the story they were unable to, unable to conceive so uh, we have such a high track record of childless couples conceiving that we were contemplating putting a little brass plaque behind our hardwood garden chairs that says warning you're in danger of becoming pregnant because children are a blessing from God. And then we thought, well, Lord, why uh, did you heal that woman on the way to Cavern? Because we're looking for any excuse to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, any excuse to see where God is moving. So we, we got another team together, and at 7 o'clock in the morning, we made our way, we just started to travel to Cavern with a team to do healing on the streets in Cavern. We left at seven in the morning, we arrived in Cavern, uh, in the center of Cavern, we set up our banner, put the chairs out, we knelt on the ground, we began to lean to God, Father, thank you that your presence is here, we ask for more. Because God gives his spirit without limit, and we haven't come to the place yet where we've asked for God's presence to come on the streets, and the, the glory, the Shekinah of God is so thick that people can't walk through his glory. Have you ever come to that place yet? No? Then you know there's more. So we ask for more of your presence, God. So if you ever wondered, why do we invite God's spirit to come when it's evidently already here? Because he gives his spirit without limit. There's always more that God wants to give and his presence changes everything. His presence is his power. And so we uh, invited the presence of God to increase in, in the place. About 20 minutes later, people started coming to the chairs and their mother uh, brought her eight-year-old child who had been in and out of hospital for operations on his legs he couldn't walk properly and um, so we knelt around his feet we prayed our best prayer we commanded uh, the this problem to go we, we spoke healing into his legs and we asked him to get off the chair and to walk up and down the street and he 
hopped off the chair and he began to walk in a dead straight line to the amazement of his mother whose eyes were nearly falling out of her head as, as she was watching her son walk up and down the street. The next thing we knew, she was on her phone, furiously talking to someone, and then another 25 minutes went by and suddenly carloads of very sick people started pulling up and piling out of the car with all kinds of... These, these were folk from the traveling community that had serious lung conditions, and as they sat in the chairs, God was meeting with them and healing them, and it was amazing. And two women were pleading, pleading with us to allow two of our ladies from our team to go with them because there were two houses full of sick people that weren't able to come. And, and I looked and I could see how busy we were and I was reluctant to let them go, but they, they were so insistent. I said, okay, we'll let Maxine and Caroline go, but please bring them back. You know, we need them. and We need to take them home safely. So uh, they went, Caroline and Maxine went with the, these other two women to these two households that were full of sick people. They put a chair in the middle of the living room. They invited one by one to come and sit in the chair, healing on street style, and one by one were healed powerfully by God's presence. They went into the next house and they began to minister to the sick there. They, they noticed that in the corner was a young man with a, a hunched back. And he wasn't coming to the chair. And most probably he thought, well, it's okay for them, but what I have is impossible. God couldn't do anything for me. But they coaxed him out of the corner with God's love. And slowly he began to walk out of the corner. And as he walked and as he began to walk towards the chair, his back began to straighten up. And by the time he got to the chair, his back was completely straight. The Lord didn't even want him to sit in the chair. But the, one, the, the story we love about this is that the mother of this particular household, who didn't know Jesus had got out of bed at seven in the morning, cried out to a God she didn't know, and she said, God, if you're there, please help me. My, all my family are sick and I don't know what to do, Lord. God, would you please send someone to my family? And at seven o'clock in the morning, in the, to the answer to her prayers, to a God she didn't know, we had left Coleraine. And, you know, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We... We're the ones that God is calling to go to people who are far away. And as a young Christian, I was desperate to learn. I was reading. Uh, I was sharing this morning that, that, that when I, I got saved, I was reading this, this word till 2 o'clock in the morning. I was so excited about seeing the things that Jesus did. And, and then the disciples, and I, and I could see that, that God had give, has given us authority to do the very things. He said, not only will you do what I've been doing, you'll do greater things. He would curse the fig tree. The fig tree would wither. Peter would say, look, teach you the fig tree. He would say, how is that possible? And Jesus would say, he said, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. Not only will you, not, not only, uh, it, it, he said, if anyone says to this mountain, jump into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Not only can you do what I've done to this fig tree, but you can command a mountain to move if you have faith and don't doubt and God is calling us to summon up our courage and to put our faith into action. And so as a young Christian, I, I, I would pray my best pray prayers. They weren't always that good. Sometimes they came out of my mouth back to front, upside down. I would often pray for the wrong thing. I remember once being in a meeting and I, and I was so eager to learn. And there were a lot of sick people. It was a, it was a, 
uh, an evening meeting and while we began to pray for people, a lot of people had come forward for prayer. There was a band, as we were praying for them, there was a band playing very loud music. And as I strained to hear, this man in front of me, I was strained to hear what he was, uh, what he was, he needed prayer for. And I, I just couldn't wait to pray for him. You know, that I was so eager. So um, I said, right, I'm going to pray for you. And I got my hands and knees and I took hold of his ankles and I began to pray my best prayer. I, and I was, you know, fervent in my prayers and, and I was intentional and I, it was as much faith as I, could, uh, as, I, as I had. I was believing God that in that moment that, that Jesus was going to heal his ankles. And uh, I, so when I finished praying, I jumped to my feet. The music subsided. I couldn't wait to see how his feet were. And I said, please try your feet out. How are they? And he looked a little bemused. And he said to me, I'm sorry, but actually there was nothing wrong with my ankles. It was my neck. I went, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. And then he began to turn his neck and, he, and then he began to laugh. And he said, it's okay, I'm healed. <laughs> so, you know, even when you pray, you know, the wrong thing for the wrong thing and... And, you know, your words are upside down and back to front. You know, God is more concerned about the compassion in your heart than he is about the content of your prayer. He sees your heart and you go, and you go, oh, Lord, that was a terrible prayer. And, they say, and the Lord says, no, that was perfect. That was perfect. All God is wanting for you to do is to pray your very best prayer and leave the results to God. So... Um, So in the papers just recently, um, in the Belfast Telegraph and the Irish Times, are reported about a young man. I'll just share this story, and then we'll maybe start to pray. Um, his mother, Kim Martin, um, contacted me and said, Mark, my 14-year-old son, Josh Martin, has... Uh, a very rare and aggressive cancer and he has been in hospital for six months um, he, the, he's been in countless operations removing these golf ball sized tumours they're so fast growing they just multiply in size they try and find every available space in his body uh, there are some that are inoperable he has one that's about the size of a grapefruit other inoperable tumours they've given him several courses of chemotherapy that's only to keep him alive for an extra two or three weeks. There's nothing more they can do for him. And they've basically sent him home now. Um, Josh loves Jesus, believes that Jesus can heal him. But he doesn't know. We haven't told him that this cancer is terminal. With that understanding, if we brought him to Healing Streets, could you pray for him? And um, I said, absolutely, we'd love to pray for Josh. So, so she brought Josh. He was in a wheelchair. Uh, he had no hair, of course, because of the chemo. He had gone from about 11 and a half stone to 7 stone. He was in a lot of pain. I could see um, this cloud, this fog, which, which I would have said was the spirit of death that was over him. It was evident that he loved Jesus. Evident. But this fog was over him. So we knelt by his feet in the wheelchair. He was so weak. He's been in the hospital for six months. He can't walk. We knelt by his feet, we prayed our best prayer. And then we, but as I looked at him, after we finished praying for a, for a period of time, 
I could see that this fog, this mist was still there, this darkness, this shadow was over him still. And I thought, if we let him go now, that would be the last we see of him until we meet him in heaven. And so I said to him, Josh, where is your pain? Where are you hurting right now? And he said, it's in my back, and it's going my hip and down my side of my leg. I said, just sit back in your wheelchair and let me check your legs. And I sat him down. I checked the length of his legs, and one leg appeared to be shorter. And I said, now, Josh, watch this, because what I believe is going to happen now is going to be an outward sign of what God is doing on the inside of you. Now, his mother was there, but his grandmother, who wasn't a believer and a skeptic about these things, was scrutinizing me as I held his, his feet very lightly and I began to pray my best prayer. And as I did, his leg began to lengthen out, began to grow out, and as it grew out, he said, my, the pain's going. Instantly, I could see that mist, that fog, that darkness had left him. It was gone. There was a sparkle. There was life had returned to his eyes. He got up out of the wheelchair, and he began to dance. His mother and grandmother were in tears watching. He's had no strength. He can't walk. But now he has life. He has strength. He pushes the wheelchair back to the car and helps them to lift the wheelchair back into the boot. Uh, the mother and grandmother are in a state of shock at what they're seeing. Um, they said that was the last time he ever got into that wheelchair, apart from the time that he tried a wheelie. He'd always wanted to do a wheelie in that wheelchair. And the next day at the church barbecue, he was going down a water slide. And three days later, he was rock climbing. And three weeks later, he was at a youth um, camp with all the energy that those places have. And when the doctors examined him, they said, it's a miracle. No trace of cancer, completely healed. They had a celebration in his church, thanking God for healing Josh. His grandmother had, had come to faith because of it, as she would. <laughs> and the, the newspapers got wind of it, and they reported about Josh, reported this wonderful story of his healing, giving God the glory that Jesus has healed him, and... And, um, and then they interviewed me about healing on the streets, and then the Irish Times interviewed me about healing on the streets, so with the result now that people are coming from all over Ireland to healing on the streets in Coleraine. It's amazing what God is doing. It's nothing is impossible for God, absolutely nothing. I've seen God perform miracles, and, you know, healings can come instantly, can come gradually, can come instantly, can come gradually, Sometimes you have to pray more than once. Jesus ministered to a blind man twice for him to be healed. And sometimes there's no sign, but as they go, they are healed. Our part to play is to pray our best prayer and leave the results to God. So we pray the prayer of faith. We give our prayer wings. We let it soar to God. And through doubt, we, we don't grab the prayer by the feet and pull it back through doubt or unbelief because nothing's happened. We believe, like David, in the morning, he says, in the morning, O Lord, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. So there's a sense of expectation in our hearts that God is at work, that God is moving, even though it may not be visible, that healing may not have manifested itself in front of your eyes, that you believe that God is at work, that God is moving. 
Praise God when we see the miraculous happen. Instantly, people get healed. And I've seen that many times where blind eyes have opened, where bones have either straightened out in front of me, where they've grown or even shrunk. I love it when legs shrink and feet shrink. Do you know, you know women, uh, we, we've seen some ladies who uh, we've asked them what, what they like Jesus to do for them. They say, well, I have one foot smaller than the other. I remember one young girl who'd, who'd never seen the sick heel before, was a bit nervous, but uh, was with a group who'd, who had already learnt how to pray, said, don't worry, you come with us. And there was a lady there, that the first person that came and sat down was a woman who had one foot smaller than the other. So they turned to this girl who'd never prayed before, so you might as well pray, and she was, oh gosh, I thought I was going to be safe, but she began to pray as I taught her, and before even the sentence she had finished the sentence. She witnessed this lady's smaller foot grow to the same size of the bigger foot. But then I was in Thun in Switzerland, which is a beautiful place to go to, and there was a conference there. And again, there was a lady with one foot smaller than, than the other. But the ladies who prayed for her had the presence of mind to ask her, would you like your feet to be bigger or smaller? And what do you think they said? <laughs> I want my feet to be smaller. And to great excitement, they watched the bigger foot shrink to the same size as small foot. And you know, this whole thing about legs growing, I, I just do that doing the training, um, training events. So if you see videos of me, I don't just pray for, for legs to grow. It's just that every time I do a training event, that's the thing that God has called me to do. But when I went to Wales and I asked during the training, I said, is there someone here that has one leg shorter than the other? You know the doctors have told you that. Um, is there anyone And a man put his hand up and said, would you mind if I pray for you just to demonstrate to the team who are learning how to pray, how we do this? Because it's very visible and it, and it, it causes great faith to, to rise up. And he said, sure. So he came out to the front and he was a, quite a tall man and he came up, sat in the chair and I got everyone to gather around. And I said, now we're going to pray for this man's leg to grow up. And he went, oh, no, 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 I, please. I'm too tall as it is. Can I be shorter, please? I said, Absolutely. And there was another young lad who was watching. I said, come and take the weight. He took the weight of his leg. If you got the weight of his leg, and I just put my finger on the sole of his foot, and I commanded the, the leg to shrink back, and his leg began to shrink back. And the boy said, his leg's growing, his, his leg's moving, his leg's moving. And the man said, my leg's shrinking, my leg's shrinking. And then he got up, hit, you know, the same size, completely healed. His back pain was gone, and he was free. I love it when God does that. Um... Also, sometimes we think, you know, what is easier, to pray for a headache or for, let's say, a missing limb to grow back? Which is easier? Okay, hands up if you think it's easier for, when you pray, for a headache to disappear. Hands up. Okay, let's, that's the majority. And who thinks it's, it's easier for a leg to grow back? Okay, so the majority of you think it's, it's easier for you to pray for uh, the headache to go. Well, let me tell you this, okay? Just to help you, both are impossible. <laughs> both, both are impossible. It needs the power of God to heal a headache as it is to, for a leg to grow back. 
So we, we seem tend to gauge this in a worldly perspective and we compartmentalize healing. I wish I had time to teach you this, but just briefly I'm going to share this. We compartmentalize it and we've said, you know, I used to say headache down here and then I have degrees of, this was in the early days when I was learning, degrees of difficulty. You know, a little bit of back pain here, some paralysis, it's getting harder. And then it gets to like really difficult, if not possible, you know. Missing limbs, even death. So easy, and, and each one, every one of us has a different, you know, we compartmentalize conditions in different ways. That's why I hear when people say, have you ever seen this healed? What they're saying is that's my impossible compartment down this end here. I remember once being in a park and I, and I, uh, when I was doing the signs and wonders ministry and I thought, okay, let's, let's start calling out some conditions. I was inviting people to come for prayer and I thought, let's call out some conditions. This is in the early days when I was, when I was uh, learning how to pray. And um, so I said, uh, being the man of faith that I was, I said, if you're deaf, come. <laughs> and of course, nobody came which has sort of spurred me on to greater faith. So I said, if you have a headache, come. And uh, nobody moved. So I went, you know, along my scale. If you have any pain in your body, come. I went up along my scale of difficulty. And I was getting bolder and bolder, you know, as nobody was moving. And uh, I said, if you have, you know, crippling disease, come. If you suffer with cancer, come. And, you know, if you're blind, calm. If you're deaf, calm. If you're missing limbs. And then I, I exhausted uh, every condition I could think of. I think I started to make up a few. <laughs> then in the corner of my eye, in this big park, I saw this couple pushing a rather large lady in a wheelchair before me, uh, it, you know, down here towards me. And in that second, panic began to rise up in my heart. And I thought, I hope they're not coming here. And I sort of turned my back thinking, if I, if I totally ignore them, they'll go that away, and, uh, <laughs> as you do. But and I saw they're actually making a beeline for me. I said, and I began to have this little discussion with the Lord. Lord, this is not fair. God, no, we're meant to start with the easy part. You know, the headache first, and let me just build up in faith. And uh, then they eventually they came, they, they came right in front of me, and they said, we're Christians. Uh, a mother's paralyzed, but we believe that God could heal her. Please pray for her. And there was, a, there was a sort of a no man's land on the other side of members of the public. And I said, okay, I'll pray. And I just laid my hand on top of her head. And the moment I did that, people over there went, huh? Does he really believe? Does he really believe that, that something's going to happen with this woman? And then I just prayed my best prayer. I began to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit began to rest in her. And it was like, you know, she began to shake gently. And then the shaking got a little bit stronger and then the whole wheelchair began to shake and it was like an old car engine starting up and she said suddenly said I want to walk I want to walk and I said great get up and walk and people tried to help her out of the wheelchair said, no please don't do that because I had this horrible picture in my mind that they would lift her up out of the wheelchair and they'd be dragging her poor paralyzed legs through the grass saying you're healed you're healed and actually there was nothing there and I, I just didn't want to see that I thought either God has healed this woman or he hasn't and this woman, out of the strength that God gave into her legs, got up out of the wheelchair and she walked. 
and instantly people came running. We had a, an instant crowd of hundreds. And the, the person that was heckling us earlier then came out of the crowd and said, I heard what you had to say. I've just seen what's happened. I want to become a Christian now. It's pretty cool. And I sent a colleague to lead her to Jesus. And, and then before he could even start praying for her, she just fell under the power of God on the grass. And she got up. She said, she was so excited. She was, she was colorblind in one eye. She was completely healed. And I said, please don't be concerned if you start seeing people fall over. I thought, gosh, it's starting now. I'll have to explain this. Because we were seeing this happen. And then a man came forward for prayer and he, um, he has arthritis. He's in a lot of pain. I said, can I just pray? Sure. I put my hand on his head. He fell to the grass. His bones began to crack. He got up weeping. He's completely healed of arthritis. Then his sister-in-law walks over. She is... Her body is riddled with arthritis as well. She's weeping. She says, can God do that for me too? I said, yes. Put my hand on her head. She fell to the grass. Got up, completely healed. At that point, I can't see any Christians, that, the team that with me and the church that was with me. And I said, Christians, where are you? And these discouraged Christians, because when we got there, they were discouraged. But after that, they were like light bulbs popping up, the biggest grins you've ever seen. So now take these people, tell them about Jesus. And if they're sick, heal them. Heal them. And there was a waltzer rise, a fairground ride further up, and the, the, the crowds had gone from there to us. And this man thought they were, we were in competition, so he put the music up. And I'll never forget the track that uh, was being played as the team began to pray for so many people where we were. And it was by Queen. You know the track by Queen? Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. And another one falls. And another one falls. Another one bites the dust. And almost to the beat, Boom, boom, boom. Bodies were falling all over the park. And it was just an incredible day of signs and wonders. Anything can happen when you step out in faith. But what God was showing me that day, that the perspective of the cross is that when Jesus died on the cross, as Isaiah 53 said, surely, surely, without doubt, he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. But we considered him stricken of God, smitten and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. So 750 years before Jesus walked the earth, Isaiah the prophet prophesied about Jesus who would go to the cross. Willingly, the, the Lamb of God, taking the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice once for all time, taking the sins of the world upon himself. And every every sickness, every disease. And he died so that we could taste right now the kingdom here. And what is to come in heaven, there is no sickness, no weeping, no sorrow, no pain. Thank goodness. You know. And, God, and Jesus has made it available. And he loves to heal the sick. 